This is And Another Thing with your hosts, Jody Jenkins and Tony Clement. And Another Thing, I'm Jody Jenkins. And I'm Tony Clement. Welcome to another edition of this podcast. You are wearing a Christmas tie. I am. It is. uh, This is being recorded before Christmas, so I have my (laughs) Santa Claus tie. Let me describe it to you briefly. It has a bunch of Santa Clauses on it, all going ho, 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 except one of them has a frown rather than a smile, and he says, what's so funny? Because there's one in every crowd, Jody. There's one in every crowd. (laughs) Where do you get ties like that? Oh, uh, I have uh, been collecting them over the years, and uh, while I was on Parliament Hill, I was known for my Christmas ties. I was going to say, so you're that that guy. I'm the guy. You're that guy, the Christmas tie But I don't go with a Christmas jacket and pants. I never did that. And what what would you say is the most outrageous Christmas tie you own? Tell me you didn't have one with lights on it. No, I didn't do (laughs) the one where you pressed it and, you know, Santa Claus. Claus is coming to town. Would come. I, I never went that route, but uh, you know, I had the I had the Grinch uh, one, which I like to wear. Okay. Which uh, you know, pe- people, a politician wearing a Grinch tie, it, it just begs to be spoken about. So then I would say how my heart would grow three times that day, that kind of thing. Oh, that's so yeah, touching. I know, it's and so but, sweet. And when you were not to get off topic, but who was the gentleman? Because there's always that. I, I, you'll remind me of his name that does the Christmas poem. Or the, 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 what is that? Who yeah, that yeah, that guy, uh, uh, Kersner, Don... Uh, Roger. Not, not, R- Roger. Roger Kersner. Yeah, Kersner, yes. not, not Not Don Kersner, yeah. <laughs> who is a rock and roll guy. <laughs> so he Roger always did a Christmas poem. And he was from Cape Breton, and okay. he was very, very funny, and uh, it was Twas the Night Before Christmas, and all through the House of Commons, you know, and yeah, then yeah. he would go on from there and uh, poke fun at, at liberals, conservatives, whoever. So Was, was there any was, poets in the Conservative Party? No, we didn't have anybody like no. that. We had, uh, we had a guy who was uh, Romanian uh, uh, in his background, or Transylvanian, so he always did a Halloween poem oh. in a very Dracula kind of voice. So oh. that, was, that was what we had. Which Good was, morning, Tony. Exactly. Ah, 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 exactly. Ah. Two, exactly. Two billion dollar <laughs> deficit. Ah, 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 ah. Okay, so we have our producer tells us our uh, first guest is ready to go, our only guest for this show. Uh, we're so excited to welcome Mr. Brett, Brett Wilson, Wilson. Yeah. from Dragon's Den, uh, from the Nashville Predators. He's a part owner of that organization. He's a big guy in the world of tech when it comes to the energy sector. So we're so excited to have him on the show. Brett, welcome to And Another Thing. Brett Wilson. Brett, Brett thanks for coming Good on the morning. show. Audience goes nope, wild. It's a pleasure. So, I appreciate just being called interesting. <laughs> <laughs> May we live in interesting times with interesting yeah. people. So I think the first question I wanted to ask you, just because uh, I mentioned Twitter and, and you have been getting, you go on some serious hardcore rants and maybe you can explain <laughs> some of that, but what's the, what's the most F-bombs or swear words you've ever put in one tweet? What's your uh, record? Usually there's only one. Only oh, one come on. You made me a WTF and a couple of <laughs> F-bombs. But it's, uh, as, uh, I think it was Don Martin said the other day, you have one of the more colorful Twitter feeds. Well, part of what's happened is I'm just trying to wake up what I call the middle of the bell curve. And I'm not talking about the liberals' mythical bell or uh, middle class, but just people who don't, don't normally pay a lot of attention. We have extremists on the right. We have extremists on the left. But it's the people in the middle, the relatively silent majority, who I've been trying to appeal to. And based on numbers and media impressions and whatnot, it's been working. Brett Wilson is our guest. This is And Another Thing. And why don't you just give us a, a little bit of a Coles Notes version of your background? Because some people, uh, about out of our millions and millions of subscribers, wink, <laughs> wink, nudge, nudge, may not know exactly your background. So maybe just unpack a little bit about 
who Brett Wilson is. Sure. Well, I grew up in small town Saskatchewan, a place called North Battleford. My mother was a social worker. My father was a car salesman. Some say that's how I became a capitalist with a heart. I really do believe in uh, a lot of the social systems that we put in place. But at the same time, I want government to get out of the way when capitalism has an opportunity to do its thing. I um, worked in the world of finance, looking after financing oil and gas companies with some great partners, did that for 20 plus years. And I've really been on my own almost ever since. In fact, I landed on that crazy show Dragon's Den uh, literally the month that I retired from my career as an investment banker and had a chance to do that for three interesting, we'll call it, years. And um, today I look after a portfolio of investments ranging from sports teams to farmland to restaurants to uh, building a gas-fired power plant in central Alberta right now. A wide range, even a little cannabis in the, in the portfolio, but a wide range of interests in, uh, both in terms of business and in terms of community. So, Brett, I wanted to touch quickly on Dragon's Den as well. I don't want to spend a ton of time there, but you mentioned you had three interesting years, and I don't know how far you can pull back the curtain, but I'd be interested to know, are there any any stories about some goings-on that you know we weren't privy to that might be of interest? And secondly, do you keep in touch with any of the other dragons? What's the, di- what's the dirt? What's the dish the dirt on Dragon's Den? <laughs> Well, the, the soft underbelly of the show was that nobody did their deals. And when I say nobody, it was all the others. In the three years I was on the show, I did 60 deals on air, and I closed 30 of them. Unfortunately, at the same time, the other Dragons were a little more diligent in their homework, let's say. <laughs> and they each closed, they each only closed two. Wow. So wow. that became sort of the soft underbelly of the show in terms of people saying, well, what's the point of getting a deal done? But some young entrepreneurs came around and went, just a minute, if I can get an airtime moment by doing a deal on any terms on Dragon's Den, I'll take it. I'll take it because I get national media out of it. National media is worth hundreds of thousands of dollars per minute. So there were a number of people that actually did deals in the later years, call it four, five, six, seven, as they went on, who never intended to do a deal with the Dragon. So it was mutual in the sense that they were really both just looking for airtime and profile. But, you know, three of the deals I did, so out of the 30 that I closed, you know, there was probably 10 that I knew were going to die in the first uh, three months to a year, and that's okay. That was kind of the, the shot we took at them. But there's three that have turned out spectacularly. Jewelry, perfume, and shipping containers. All of them are doing very, very well for me. Wow. Let me let me ask you a question about capitalism, because you mentioned that at the start of the show. And capitalism has kind of become a dirty word amongst millennials. There's actually uh, re- market research on this that shows that millennials are not in favor of capitalism. Uh, when you use that term, they if you change the term to free markets, you might have a, a higher pickup rate. But how do we convince millennials and others that that, that that our freedoms are based on economic freedoms as well as political freedoms? Well, it's frustrating to think that socialism believes that there's a money tree that will take care of all things, that we can just instantly transition, for example, from a fossil fuel hydrocarbon economy to renewables, even though most renewables aren't economic yet. So how do you economically do these sorts of transitions? And that's where it's frustrating. The millennials get fed some stories, the headlines, and I've often been on stage speaking about what I call the lost art of critical thinking, 
where you challenge the words that you hear. There was a couple of articles I read this morning that were, you know, talking about the alarmism about uh, the uh, Arctic and its warming. And it's there's so many suppositions and estimates and innuendo. <clears throat> and yet the headline says we're, you know, basically in a climate emergency. And it's simply not true. But we don't have all the facts. And it's easy to take a shot at, call it the 1%. Easy to take a shot at corporations. Easy to take a shot at uh, wanting, um, you know, from a socialistic point of view, guaranteed incomes, free education, free health care. All those things sound good, and millennials seem to fall for it quickly right now. I've noticed uh, with the debate in the U.S. about the Green New Deal and uh, similar things coming out of uh, uh, the pers- Times Person of the Year, Greta Thunberg, who's now uh, was declared that uh, today, as a matter of fact, as we record this, that that the the a lot of the uh, environmental transform transformation advocates also want to destroy capitalism on their way to their environmental nirvana. It's not just about having a sustainable energy. It's about removing removing market forces in the economy, uh, forcing people not to eat meat, all of these things. So, you know, as as someone who knows Alberta so well, you, you must see this as a, a present danger as well. Well, the greatest danger from my perspective right now is that we as Canada have been attacked. You know, many other countries are not are not suffering any of this attack. You know, the ten of the top, uh, Canada and the U.S. are in the top ten nations in the world in terms of oil reserves, but we're the only one of the ten, the only one of the ten that hasn't been able to grow and participate in the global economy. Uh, Canadian oil has a better ethical standard, a better environmental standard. If we could wean other parts of the world off of coal. Greenhouse gases would plummet relative to the perception that the tiny amount we issue uh, in Canada is the big problem. I get so frustrated by the headlines that talk about Canada's per capita greenhouse gas emissions when per capita is absolutely irrelevant given that the solution is that we just procreate actively to lower our greenhouse gas emissions per person. And that makes no sense at all. It, It comes down to critical thinking. And another thing, podcast, Jody Jenkins, Tony Clement. Our guest is Brett Wilson. Brett, you certainly don't hide your political affiliations online, and bravo to you for doing that. Are you expecting a Christmas card from Justin Trudeau this year? This year will probably be skipped. Um, in fact, I, I gave a talk last night at a dinner which Scott Moe was in Calgary for. Lovely. And I said a highlight of my year this year was that Gerald Butts, Catherine McKenna, and, uh, oh, who was the other? Had all blocked me on Twitter. Oh. So, uh, but no, I mean, the people who uh, maintain some element of uh, decorum on, on, you know, Trudeau hasn't blocked anybody, to be fair. And uh, who knows what the next step is going to be in terms of uh, the Twitterverse. Let's transition into Canada's pastime, which, of course, is hockey. I thought and you were going to say <laughs> cannabis for a second. <laughs> well, no. Oh, no, that's been, that's, you know, that's... <laughs> um, Nashville Predators, obviously a big part of that organization. Uh, what's your thoughts on the team? Because I know from, and not anymore, but you had P.K. Subin for a while, who has a local connection to myself, being and, from Belleville. And a cottager in Muskoka. Yeah, yeah so yeah. what... Uh, what we was also Pete? had Mike Fisher. Yeah, Mike Fisher. That's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He was there for yeah, a bit too. Peterborough boy. That's right. Um, what's what's your thoughts on the team? What's it what's it like being a part of that? Well, a bit of history. First first night I was ever in Nashville. I ended up at a dinner party, and I 
sat randomly beside someone who was part of the new ownership group and I got invited into because they had dropped someone that day. So I'd been in Nashville four hours when the opportunity to buy in came along. But given that I'd been in negotiations to buy a piece of the Calgary Flames, I knew how the operating agreements worked, I knew what the economics were, and I knew what a unique opportunity it was. So that was 2008 or nine. so almost 10 years ago. And I can tell you, friends of mine said, what were you thinking? In probably stronger words, in terms of buying into a team that wasn't going to make it, the Nashville market wasn't going to manage. And yet, when you look at what we did off the ice and on the ice in the last 10 years, that Nashville town has turned into one of the great hockey cities. In it it is a great city, and you can see that when uh, whenever uh, the arena is on television for whatever game, like uh, people are are right into it. Who came up with the term Smashville? That that that's a great marketing term. It's something the Nashville or the the Nashville team rather came up with uh, a number of years ago. Just talking about they were sort of a Nash Vegas and then Smash Vegas and then Smashville all came along. We do know, and it's anecdotal, of course, that the evolution of stags and stagettes has moved from Nash or from uh, Vegas to Nashville. It's unbelievable. Really? When I'm flying down from Toronto or Calgary, I've, I don't think I've ever been on a flight where there wasn't a stag or a stagette coming down for the week. One of the things that happened when they laid out that city, and we can maybe take a shot at Ottawa for this, take a shot at Arizona, take a shot at a lot of cities, they located their arena in the middle of downtown, the middle of traffic, the middle of people, the middle of a vibe, and it's been so easy to build something extraordinary. And you know how challenging it is. You get out of the hockey rink in Ottawa and you've got nothing to do except wait for your car. It's so, des- it's so desolate and, and soul-destroying uh, after uh, Ottawa Senators hockey well, game. Speaking, yep. so while I've got you here, and you and Tony, you mentioned it, and you mentioned Ottawa as well. So if you're aware, Belleville has the AHL team for the Ottawa Senators called the Belleville Senators. They moved up from Binghamton uh, three yep. seasons ago. So we're in our third season here. I can tell you right now, Brett, attendance is abysmal. Um, they're averaging, my guess is, I could be wrong, but I'm, I'm, it's roughly 2,000 people a game. Seating is for 4,500. The, the team's not playing poorly right now. I'm curious, what, like, do, what would you do? I mean, if we, we should get you in to do some, yeah. <laughs> some ideas because I don't know what they're missing and why they're not able to put bums in seats. Well, let me give you a little secret that Nashville didn't really hide, but the two guys, Jeff Kogan and Sean Henry, who came in to be the management team, came out of other sports teams, but their original training was with Barnum and Bailey and with Ringling Brothers. They understand that the sport of hockey, like all sports, is entertainment Entertainment. first and a business second, and a hockey team almost third. We have to supply a competitive team have to supply a team who you respect and admire and that's one of the things nashville's always tabled we've just never really had that chippy player that everyone loves to hate whether again without naming names but we've always had you know and the, the arena always has a few people like garth will show up or keith will show up or carrie will show up and it's all the first name basis legends and they're they're recognized for just simply watching and participating the, the Nashville team has sold out every game for the last four years. And so wow. when I call down to get tickets, it's out of an allocation that we keep back. We sell it every game. Every wow. Game. That's, that's amazing. And to have that, uh, that injection of hockey culture into a town like Nashville, that's, uh, that's incredible. That, that, You've got to feel proud about that. 
a lot of work has been done to engage. As Sean Henry said, I've been to every high school in the city at least twice. Brad so Wilson. The president. Anyway, keep rolling. The president uh, of the team going out to visit hockey kids. That's school. amazing. Wow. Brad Wilson is our guest. Jody Jenkins, Tony Clement, and another thing. Brad, we know that uh, your time is valuable, and we, we, you've got a couple more minutes with us. Just quickly, what uh, what are some of the exciting things you're working on these days? I know you mentioned some, obviously, stuff in the energy sector, but uh, if you could talk about well, one thing, what's what's the big thing? Well, the biggest project that I have underway is in a public company. It doesn't matter what the name is, but my partner and I are building a gas-fired power plant. We bought a used power plant that had never been installed down in Salt Lake City from a copper company and shipped it up 125 rail car, or 125 tractor trailers, seven rail cars, and shipped it up to central Alberta. We have the only power plant under construction in Alberta. It's gas-fired. It'll be the most efficient plant in all of Alberta. And that's exciting. At the same time, I'm also building a rooftop patio for a restaurant. So there's the extremes. <laughs> well, I, and I play guitar in a band, so maybe we can have a gig there. We, we have room for you. All right. Well, and I was going to say, Brett, and I, obviously I, I know that you've followed and been a great supporter of our golf tournament that raised funds for our homeless shelter. We're getting set to open that. We're literally just days away, so I wanted to thank you. And, Tony, since I got you in front of me, like one year – Brett went out of his way to get a P.K. Subban signed jersey from Nashville. <laughs> I, I want to get a jersey signed by P.K. and by Lindsey Vaughn. That's what I want. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you so much for your support, Brett. We appreciate it. Well done. Glad to be part of it. Congratulations on the work you're doing. So you were like you were like fanboying there. Like you I know. was. I, I totally went into fanboy mode. I don't I, I don't know where that came from. It was capitalism. He lit me up when he said capitalism. What can I tell you? No, so Brett Wilson, uh, awesome to have him on. We certainly uh, appreciate uh, his time. And Tony, you, we've got like a bunch of other guests coming up in the night. This honestly, this show is exploding. Subscribers are growing, the buzz is growing. Yeah, we yeah. were mentioned. I, I don't know if you want to talk about it, but you were mentioned in the Hill Times. We were mentioned in the Hill Times, and uh, which you, know. you told me was I was kind of thought that was cool. <laughs> okay. You said it's not really that big. You know, a lot of staffers read it, so okay. <laughs> <laughs> good for the good for the Hill Times. But and then uh, I was able to appear on Humble and Fred Radio. Great, great friends of mine. For decades, really, uh, when I started out as a Brampton politician, they were on the air at CFNY, and uh, they've continued on as a, as a partnership uh, with their own podcast and radio broadcast. So great friends of mine over the years, and uh, I'm, I'm glad to see their continued success. So it was a way to get the, the message out about what we're doing in the podcast world, because it, let's face it, it is a crowded arena now. Uh, I, I jokingly say I have a podcast, but then again, everybody does. That's not quite true, but uh, you, you have to stand out. And what we're getting is people who want to come on the show, want to be interviewed. Uh, I had a couple of great interviews when I was in Washington uh, recently with uh, some international uh, politicians. So this this show is, is growing, and I, I believe it's an interesting product. Yeah, like we say, we're either going to make your career or break your career if you appear on it. So the choice is really dun, dun, yours. Dun. Yeah. So don't forget to subscribe, all the social media platforms. And again, in the new year, we're going to be coming out on uh, more podcast places. Exactly. iHeartRadio and Google Play and all that fun stuff. So thanks so much, Tony. And uh, I guess we'll be talking in a couple of days. We will. Anything